Awesome. Thank you, Justin. And as we get started this morning, there is something special for the kids. Um, so if you're a child, like age four to grade six, you're welcome to come up to the stage. We need the guys on this side and the girls on this side. The guys on this side, girls on this side, anybody who is going to be heading downstairs for kids in a minute. We have, how many of you guys have played tug of war before? A few of you guys, you guys know how to, we're going to start this morning off with tug of war. Um, but we don't have a rope. Uh, we don't have a rope. So I'm going to be a human rope this morning. So guys, you're trying to drag me off the stage, this to the, off this side of the stage. And girls, oh man, there need to be more girls. The numbers are not lining up here. Girls, you are trying to drag me off this side of the stage. And please, like, I just got this shirt from Costco. This is my new special shirt. So please try to take it easy on the shirt. Just grab my arms, okay? Arms only. Don't rip the shirt. Okay. You guys feel ready for this? Okay, I see hands up. Uh, I'll be mad. And you will get a stinky shoe. So, arms only. Okay, time to do this. Head downstairs for our awesome Cedar Valley Kids program. Let's give a hand to those kids. Especially the teamwork on the girls' side. Teamwork over numbers. All right. So now that you have that image in your mind, let's jump into the message this morning. We're, this is the final message of our series. We've been doing a series called Living in the Future, which is a study of the Gospel of Mark, the book of Mark that records Jesus' life on earth, the things he taught, some of the different actions he took, the way he lived his life on earth. And we've been looking at what his followers, his closest friends learned from that and what we can learn from that as we're followers of Jesus now. And so this morning we're looking at Mark chapter 16 verses 15 to 20 and our message is called the tension of now. And how many of you guys love tension? How many of you are like, tension's my favorite thing? I see no hands. Because we often see tension as a negative thing, right? Like, if you have tension in a friendship, you're like, I will do whatever, it, I, I will either resolve this tension or I'm done with this friendship. I don't want to live in tension. If you have tension in your family, you're like, we will spend lot, way too much money going to a counselor to try to resolve this tension in our family. Or even like, if you go to like, walk your dog. Your dream when you get a dog is that dog learns to walk next to you and heal and you just walk along and the leash is nice and relaxed and there's no tension in this situation. But if your dog is anything like mine, after four years of attempts, she still just tries to drag you down the road and occasionally into traffic. And you're like, tension is a bad thing. I don't want tension in my life. Tension is why you spend so much money going to the chiropractor. But then have you ever driven across a bridge around here? There's like the little bridges, and then there's the big bridges. And when you drive across many of the large bridges in this area, you'll notice that there's like these two huge towers. And, the, and from those towers 
are all these cables that go down and the bridge, like the road that you're driving on is literally hanging from these cables attached to the tower, right? You're driving across the suspension bridge. And so as you drive along, most of the time you don't think about it. But have you ever seen one of those cables just kind of not tense at all, just relaxed, chilling out, waving around in the air, just kind of the breeze is just pushing it around. It's not got a care in the world. Have you ever seen that when you're driving across a huge bridge? I haven't either, but if I did, I would suddenly be very tense myself. I'd be like, something has gone terribly wrong because tension sometimes is essential, right? Sometimes we want to avoid tension, but sometimes tension is actually essential. Or when you raise kids. When you start raising kids, it's a, you have to teach them to notice and feel the tension between what they want in life and their bank account. What they want in life and how much it costs. Because when they're little, you're like, oh, you're cute, I'll just buy whatever you want for you. And they get older and they start wanting incredibly expensive shoes or jeans or video games or whatever, and you're like, you should feel some tension between how much this costs and how much money you have, because otherwise you're probably never gonna get a job, right? And so tension can be essential in our lives. But then it comes to faith, right? I don't know about you, but for me, I want faith, my faith to be a place of peace, tranquility, calm. I wanna be able to come to church on Sunday, sit down with my cup of coffee, and just be like, ah, oh, this feels good, this is nice. This is almost like going to the spa, right? And I want my Bible time in the morning. I want when I read the Bible and I pray and I spend time with God, to just be a time of just like so zen, so quiet. Like I sneak it in before the kids get up so it is quiet most of the time unless they wake up early because two-year-olds. And we want our faith to be this place of centering, of calm, where there's no tension, there's no stress, there's no strain. But then when we're followers of Jesus, it's interesting because we call ourselves followers of Jesus. That's why we do church. That's why we go to churches. We're like, we're committed to following Jesus, loving people, and inviting others to do the same. But when, as a follower of Jesus, you have to go, what did Jesus' life and faith look like? And on the inside, Jesus was full of peace. Jesus knew the future that God had promised. He knew that God said, for anyone who wants to be a part of God's future, he's actually going to restore everything that's gone wrong. He's going to recreate everything that's been broken in humanity, in our world, and make all things right, wipe away every tear. So he knew the future, and there's an inner peace, and there's a calm that comes from knowing that. The closer you are to God, the more you understand the future that he's promised and how he's already starting to bring that now. You're like, hey, I'm just going to... I don't have to stress about what's happening this week. It's not that big of a deal in the big picture. I know how things are going to turn out. But at the same time, Jesus' life on earth was full of tension. He was torn between the religious leaders and the people that the religious leaders didn't identify as people, but they just literally said, they're just such bad people. We're just going to call them sinners. All we're going to identify them is what they do wrong. And we're so good. And he got torn and caught in the tension between those people. 
Or there's times he gets caught between the tension of his family's expectations and the needs of those that were following him. He got caught in the tension between the Roman government, there was a government that happened to try to control religion, and the Jewish religion, which was a religion that happened to try to control the government. And he got torn between those two things, and he lived in tension. And so if the life of Jesus was full of tension, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe your life is going to be full of tension too. And that brings us to our passage this morning, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20. So let's read through this together and see what it speaks to about the tension of now. And so before this happens, just for some context, at this point, I said the book of Mark records the 33 years that Jesus lived on earth, that God said, I want to send my son to live as a human on earth, fully human, but fully God at the same time, and show us how humans are meant to live. And so he lived on earth for 33 years. For the last three of those years, he did a lot of teaching and a lot of different miracles and wonders. And he had a lot of really interesting conversations with people, which is most of what this book is full of. But then there's a point that he gets crucified. He gets killed in a torturous way by the Roman government. He's dead for three days. He's buried. Then he rises back to life. And this happens right after he comes back to life. And that's a crazy thing. Like, if you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds normal. You should not. No, that's really weird for somebody to be dead and come back to life. But there's a lot of really great documentation of that from outside of the Bible. So if you're like, this is crazy. I don't believe it. Look into it. So anyways, Jesus has risen back to life. And now he's starting to catch up with people who thought he was dead. And he's just come, he's finally catching up with his closest followers, his disciples. And here's what he says to them. Then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And you'll notice this is the one direction that he gives. In the Gospel of Mark, there's only one direction that Jesus gives between when he comes back to life and when he ascends back to heaven. There's only one direction he gives to his disciples in this book. This is the most important direction that the author knows. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go, because at this point, Jesus had been with his followers. He'd been with his disciples. He'd been teaching them about God. He'd been teaching them about the future that God had for humanity and saying, hey, become a part of this. Experience my power working through you and start bringing this future now. It's going to be completed in the future. So he'd been doing this. And now he's saying, take what I've given you and go and give it to everyone else. Invite everyone else. Because so far he'd only reached the people in a tiny country of Israel in the Middle East. And the whole world was missing out on this. So he's saying, go out and invite all people to be a part of the future that God has for them. That's the good news. And anyone who believes this good news, accepts this invitation, and is baptized, will be saved. God will bring them into the future that he's creating for them. He'll rescue them from the future they've created for themselves and bring them into his future. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And when I come across the word condemned, that's one of those words that always sounds like a really mean, judgy thing. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be condemned by my wife or by my friends or by anybody close to me, right? Definitely not the God of the universe. But it's interesting because in this point, it's not saying that 
God's going to condemn them of going, oh, you're such a bad person. It has nothing to do with how good or bad of a person they are. It's simply saying, if, you, if God offers you the opportunity to be a part of the future he's creating, you say, no, I'm good. I want, I want to just keep doing my thing. He says, okay, that's going to be your future, that you get what you created for yourself. And if you look at the world around you, the future that humanity is creating for themselves doesn't seem like the future I want. So you're condemned to that future. And then these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they'll be healed. And I almost used a different book. There's four different books to describe the life of Jesus. I almost preached out of a different one to avoid this passage because it got a little crazy. A lot like the Gospel of Luke, he focuses more on like the history. Kind of, and this, but Mark recorded some of the things that Jesus said that are like, wait, handling snakes, getting bitten by snakes and not dying, drinking poison, like where is this coming from? Things that aren't just natural, but actually supernatural. But what's interesting here is he doesn't say, hey, if, if you're a follower of me, you have to do these things. He says, if you are a follower of me, if you follow this direction, these things are going to accompany it. It's going to just happen. And when you look at the life of Jesus described in the Gospel of Mark, all throughout his work, when he went and told people and said, I'm inviting you into the future that God has for you, and this is what it looks like, there are all sorts of crazy supernatural things that happened to start bringing that future and to start demonstrating that God had a spiritual power beyond what humans have. And so if we start inviting people into the future that God has for them, we don't bring that future by just being a nice person. We don't just bring that future by just human power. That, that future comes through God's power. And sometimes the God of the universe that created all the natural laws and science and the systems that we live within says, you know what, I created, I can also, you know, bend the rules a little here to get what I need done, done. And so if we're not just trying to bring God's future and human power, if we're bringing God's future through God's power, expect to see God's power show up in some crazy ways occasionally. And some places, all he could do was heal people. He couldn't do crazy signs and wonders because they didn't have the faith to believe in it. And he was like, yeah, if that's not going to help accomplish what God's doing here, he's not going to do it. But for bringing God's future, expect to see some supernatural things happen. We could preach a lot longer on that, but I'm just going to leave that there. So Jesus gives us direction. He says, expect these things to happen. And then when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And his followers, the disciples, went everywhere and they preached. They invited people into the future that God had for them. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And God worked through them. He ascended up to heaven, but he sent his spirit to work through them as they invited people. And you might be going, okay, what was this whole tug-of-war thing? What was this whole tension thing about? And one of the key things, images I think of when I think of tension, and when tension is a good thing, 
The image I want in your mind this morning is that if you ever watch an action movie, almost every action movie has this. I feel like every Mission Impossible does this like three times in a row. But if you watch an action movie, there's normally a moment where the hero is trapped in a really dangerous situation. They're about to get taken out by a tsunami or a volcano or whatever. They're on a sinking ship. Something horrible is about to happen. And this is an action movie. It's not the Titanic, so they don't just find a door. No. The hero's stuck there. The love of their life is stuck over there. And they hear, and the helicopter starts swooping in. And the hero's best friend is flying in the helicopter like, I got you, buddy. And the helicopter swoops in. And the hero jumps up. And they barely grab the landing gear. And they're hanging off the landing gear. And their arm is just tense. Their veins are bulging. There is tension in this situation already, right? And they fly off and leave their, the love of their life to die? No. No. They're hanging off the helicopter. And they're like, go, go get them. And so they fly over and they swoop down. And the hero reaches their hand down. They grab the hand of the love of their life. And they grab them. And it's just like hanging on by like the fingertips for some reason. They don't know how to actually hold hands. It's just the fingertips, right? They grab them. And they're straining. And they're stuck here. And they're flying off, right? It's a tense moment. Emotionally, it feels tense watching it. And if you're actually there, then you're like, I better have hit the gym enough, right? It's a tense, strained moment. And that's the tension of now. When Jesus came to earth, he said, I'm coming to earth to live as a human to show you how to live as a human right now. God said, I'm bringing this future for humanity. And I'm going to start bringing it now. I want to invite you into that. Jesus came to earth hanging on to the spiritual power of God. The chopper's coming in. That's God's spiritual power. He's holding on to it. With the other hand, he's reaching down to rescue the love of his life, humanity. For God so loved the world. They came swooping in on a chopper like an action hero. Now, But he's reaching out for the love of his life and saying, God has a future for you, and I want to take you there. And you need God's spiritual power to get you there. It's not that the hero's power is the power. It's that God's power is there. But the hero's stuck in the middle of that. And then Jesus says, okay, I've been here for 33 years. I'm ascending back up to heaven. If you didn't make it, it sucks to be you. Like, you just got left behind. No, that's not what God did. He said, I was setting an example for you. I was setting an example for you. I want you to be my followers. I want you to step into my shoes here. I want you to be the hero in this situation. I'm giving you God's spiritual power. That's why the signs and wonders part matters. That's why going God, we need God's spiritual power. We can't bring people into God's future on our own. We can't do it by being a nice person. We need God's supernatural power to do this. And you have to have a grip on that helicopter a good grip on that helicopter, right? And then he's saying, but you also got to reach out. Go to all people, everyone, and invite them into the future that God has for them. And some people are going to look at that and go, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that helicopter. I don't trust it. I don't, I, no. 
But you got to offer everybody the opportunity so they can grab on. That's the tension of now. It's Jesus saying, I've stepped out so you can step in to this role. Right now, you're called to live in this tension. And imagine you're watching this scene in the movie. They've swept in. They've grabbed the love of their life. They're starting to fly off. And there's like a nice tight shot of the hero's face. And they're like, ah! And they're like, You go, something has gone terribly wrong if they quit being stressed out and in tension, if they're just relaxed. Something has gone horribly wrong. Either they've let go of the helicopter and they're plunging to their death with the love of their life, which is kind of romantic, but a terrible ending. Or they didn't hit the gym enough and they lost their grip on the love of their life and they're flying off by themselves, which is horrible. And that's the tension of now. Jesus' one direction between his resurrection and ascending up to heaven that's described in the book of Mark when he's talking to his closest followers, his one direction for them is live in the tension of now. Go and rescue the love of God's life, humanity. Rescue them from the future they're creating for themselves and invite them into the future that God has for them. But you can't do it by yourself. You can't just go, hey, I'm just going to do this under my power. You have to do it with God's power. I don't know about you, but that whole idea of my faith being like a nice, relaxing place sounds great. And I often try to make my faith a relaxing place by being like, okay, I'm just going to focus on being a nice person. Like God, Jesus wants me to be a nice person, which is true. Jesus wants me to be a nice person, so I'll focus on being a nice person, and I'll go to work, and I'll just kind of fit in. Um, I'll just live a normal Canadian life. But I'll be a nice person because Jesus wants me to be a nice person. And so you're, you're kind of with the love of God's life, but you're there without the helicopter. It's nice, but there's no helicopter there. You're just going to die together, Right? You're just going to get taken out by the volcano or the tsunami or whatever together. And you're going to be, it's nice, but there's no rescue. There's no tension. Or you go, you know what, to relieve the tension, I'm just going to hold on to the helicopter, you know? I'm just going to spend all my time at church with church people. I'm going to go to every church service. I'm going to read my Bible and pray. I'm going to hang out with Jesus. And really, I'm just going to focus on the future that he's bringing. I'm just going to wait for heaven. I'm going to try to ignore the world around me, the tragedy that is happening I'm just going to try to escape that and just live in a nice little Christian bubble and, God, and just focus on the future that God has for me. And it's a lot less stressful. There's a lot less tension. It's a lot easier, if we're honest. But we're leaving the love of God's life to die. And so as much as it's been exciting for the last five weeks to hear about the future that God has for us and how we can start to live in that now. Jesus leaves us as his followers and says, step into the tension. I created you as humans for this season of your life. For an average Canadian, 82 years, this season of 82 years on this earth, I created you to live in this tension. And I'm going to empower you through this tension. I'm going to work through you if you step into the tension. So how are you doing at living in the tension? Do you feel 
Like you're stuck in the middle of this tension? Do you feel like you are going to all people? You are with all people? But you're also inviting them to be followers of Jesus and you're doing it through the power of God, not just through your own efforts and your own strength? As a church, that's what we're about. As a church community, we've said our mission is to follow Jesus, to be attached to the helicopter, to be in God's power, and to grow in our strength in that. To follow Jesus together. And then to go and be with people and love them. But not just be with them, but to invite them to follow Jesus too. Invite them into the future that God has for them. And so as a church community, we, everything we do, we plan out for that. We go, our Sunday service like this, this morning, is one of the main things we do to say, hey, as a community, we're going to be connected to God. We're going to be connected to God's power. We're here for something spiritual, not just some nice music and an inspiring message. We're here to be connected to God and experience his power and his working. When we join community groups, we're going, God created us to connect with him and experience him through the community of the church, through deep friendships, through praying together, through studying scripture together, through serving together. So we're going to be part of community groups for that. We do our kids program. Cedar Valley Kids right now is doing that to help our kids find and build that connection to Jesus and to God's power in their life. We're starting youth next week for that. That's why we do our youth program during the week, to be connected to God and experience his power. And then as a church, we say, we're not just going to be connected to God. We're going to be connected to the people that don't know Jesus yet and have never been invited into his future for them. And so we join serve teams to do events that reach them. As community groups, we're encouraged to go a couple times a year and actually serve people together as a community and reach those that aren't followers of Jesus. As an entire church, we do so many different events throughout the year. We go out and we help out at the Canada Day event that the city puts on to start to introduce people to who Jesus is and the invitation he has for them through playing archery tag. It's a strange connection, but we're working on it. We're hosting an event for the community at Christmas time for kids and their parents here. Some details will be coming on that. So we as a church community can reach those in our city that don't know Jesus and haven't been invited to follow him yet. At Halloween, we go out and we set up the most epic Halloween like hangout station setups to build connections with our community, to be with all people and, sh- and start that process of inviting them to be a follower of Jesus. In the spring, we're going to be doing a parenting conference for the same thing because we want to be with people. We want to meet their practical needs and say, yeah, we can give you water. We can give you a parenting conference. But do you want spiritual? But do you have spiritual needs that God can meet? Do you want the future that God has to offer and invite them into that. And as a church, honestly, we're, we're pretty good at holding onto the helicopter right now. We're pretty good at connecting to Jesus. We're working on connecting to those that need Jesus. And we're going to be growing on that in the next few years. That's going to be where we have to grow a lot. But that's why we do church. And anything we do outside of that isn't really being church. It's not really being followers of Jesus. So we focus in on that. So in your life, where are you at? Do you feel like you have a stronger connection to Jesus or do you feel like you have a stronger connection to the people you're with? 
I'm in a situation where you're like, everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm being a nice person. I'm trying as hard as I can, but I don't feel like I'm being empowered by God and what I do, and you need to grow there. Or you're like, I might go to work. I might be around people, but I'm not with them, and I'm not inviting them to know and follow Jesus. What does it look like to grow in that? What does that look like to grow in as a church community? Is there, do you need to join a community group? Do you need to join a serve team? What does that look like in your personal life? Are you spending time in prayer, in scripture? Are you spending time every day actually being with God? Whatever spiritual practices help you connect with God. For some of us, just listening to good worship music and just sitting in that. Are you staying connected to God in that? And then on the other side, in your personal life, are you going to be with people, not just to fit in, but to actually invite them into the future that God has for them? Are you spending all your time just with good church people and people that already are followers of Jesus? And that's great. But are you spending all your time there? Are you making time, are you making intentional decisions to spend time with people and invest in people that have never been invited into the future that God has for them before? If not, what step does that look like? So I encourage you this morning to just think about that. I'm going to spend a few minutes in prayer. I want us to just open up to what God has for us. God, this morning we come to you. We're so thankful that you sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to show us what it means to live fully alive as a human, what human life is meant to look like. And it wasn't just peaceful and tranquil. There was a peace inside, but there was a tension outside that Jesus fully engaged in. We thank you that we've been invited into the future that you have for us. Every one of us had somebody invest in us, spend the time with us to say, God has a better future for you than you could ever create on your own. And I want you to be a part of that. We're so thankful that we've experienced that. But I pray you'd help us see how we can grow in this ourselves, how we can step into the tension of this season. Whether it's how we participate in our church community, that you're saying, hey, get more involved here, get more involved there in what our church is doing to live in this tension. Or whether it's in our own personal life that we need to make a commitment. Maybe we need to talk to our spouse or our kids or our parents and just say, hey, I realize I'm dropping the ball here in my life and I need to spend more time with the people that don't know Jesus yet. Or I need to spend more time and maybe I need to start getting up early or staying up late, whatever it takes, taking a break at work, spending my lunch break, just spending time with God so that I have that spiritual power, which is the only way that we can bring God's future. I pray that we take that step. This morning, if you're someone that you've been hearing about the future that God has for you, the future that God's inviting you into, but you're still stuck trying to just create your own future, and you're going, it's time for me to give up on what I can create on my own. I need God's power. I need God's work. I know that on my own, I, I can't undo the brokenness that I bring into the world. I can't undo the hurt that I bring into the world. I need God's power to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, and to make things right. And I want God to be the Lord of my life. And I want God to be the Savior of my life that's you right now, I want you to just pray this prayer in your head with me. I'm going to speak these words out loud. You can pray along with me. God, I'm tired of trying to do this my own way. I'm done 
trying to control my future. I want you, Jesus. I want you to take control. I want you to guide my life. I want you to direct my life and I want you to empower my life. I want you to forgive where I've hurt myself, where I've hurt others. I want you to do something new in me. I want you to give me new life, God. I commit my life to you. I commit my future to you. Today's the day that I'm taking that step. Amen. All right. If that last prayer of committing your future to Jesus, this was the first time you've made that commitment, or that's something you're wrestling with, I'd love for you to talk to myself or Pastor Grant. If you don't catch us in the lobby, our contact information's on the website. Because we'd love to talk to you about that journey and how to move forward in that. With all that being said, it's been a great Sunday morning. I'm excited for the tension that God's calling us into. That we would have a good tension this week. And that you would take whatever step God's calling you to next in our church community, in your personal life, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you live with your family and your friends. Let's have a great Sunday and grab some coffee and hang out.